episode 68 of Music Raygun. I'm Paul Ciampanelli. I am Kirk Pinchon. This is the show where we pick a music-related topic, then we watch video clips about that topic, and if you go to musicraygun.com, you can check out our video playlist to watch all the clips we talk about, right, Kirk? Indeed. That's how the show works. That's the whole premise, guys. Yeah. Um, today on the show, we're talking about a music label yeah. for the second time ever. Second time. First time we did Def Jam recordings. Yeah. This time we're doing Asylum Records. Yeah, Asylum. And because of that, this whole episode is very 70s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By definition. Yeah. I mean, Asylum Records had their heyday in the 70s. Yeah. And if not for last the last episode, which is from the 30s and 40s, this might have been like our old tiniest I, episode. Probably. Yeah. Probably. We're going we're gonna to stay in there with the early 70s <laughs> we're stuff. We're going to stay in the pocket. So, just to give a quick... Set up to what Asylum Records was to anyone who doesn't know. It was formed in, I think, 1970 or 71 by David Geffen. Mm -hmm. A young David Geffen started it as his first label. And the name refers to the idea that it was meant to be like a safe haven. It was very artist forward. It was supposed to be a label that, you know, would let artists be creative Mm -hmm. and put artists first, which it did. Yeah. And it attracted a lot of talent for that. Yeah. But it was only in existence for like two or three years before David Geffen sold it to Warner Brothers <laughs> and made like seven million dollars. Like, yeah, yes, we don't need to be artsy um, all the time. Yeah, the the whole story is very interesting, and he's obviously a really interesting guy because he was a big music guy. Yeah, um, and he was like friends with all these artists that he signed, and you know he wasn't a musician himself. He's very business minded, but yeah. this was his entree into the world of music. And, you know, there was that documentary a few years ago called um, Inventing David Geffen. Oh, Did I you ever see that? No. Um, it's awesome. Mm. And that's where I learned a lot about David Geffen. I remember a clip where he was talking about when he, when he sold it mm-hmm. to Warners in like 73 or 74. And he was like, I thought seven, $7 million was like so much money. <laughs> he's like, he, he's like. I had no idea. Like, it would have been worth so much more if I'd waited if to sell it. But then off. he kind of pauses and he looks at the camera and he goes, I did okay. Like, he's, like, <laughs> he's like, things are fine. Da- yeah, David Geffen's fine. Yes. Don't worry about David. <laughs> he's like, technically, he could have made way more money if he had waited to sell. Yeah. Him. He's still like one of the five richest people in the world. Yeah. He's doing okay. Um, yeah. Um, but it's really, it's really interesting to watch that documentary and mm-hmm. see how, like, how much he genuinely loves the music, but. He's a businessman. He's a businessman. And he, he has made, no qualms about yeah. fucking selling out. He made a business decision. Yeah. It worked out for him. So, so you know, he launched the label in the early 70s. By the mid-70s, it was merged with Elektra, and mm-hmm. it became Elektra Asylum. And by the early 80s, Elektra kind of started to take over as the more prominent of the two parts mm-hmm. of the label. And then Asylum, by the mid-80s, was sort of like an afterthought. So it really only existed... As the asylum we think of, yeah, for a few years in the early to mid seventies, yeah. Now, and that's when when you brought this up, that was my first thought. Like when you said, "Oh, let's do asylum," I was like, "Oh, you mean the record label that has the Eagles?" That's the next point I yeah. wanted to make. Yes, the biggest band that that he signed were the Eagles. Yeah, and Asylum put out all their albums and their greatest hits album, which is still the best selling album yeah, in America crazy. ever. Yeah. So the Eagles alone kept that, yeah. could have kept that label going. Exactly. But here's what we're not going to talk about tonight. 
The Eagles. And it's only because they suck. Yeah, they do suck. That's the only reason we're not talking about that. And I know there's like a backlash against the backlash. And it's so cliche and trite now to hate the Eagles. And people hate people who hate the Eagles and say, no, the Eagles are actually good. But I'm sorry. I come by my Eagles hatred, honestly. It's not bandwagon. They're really bad. Yeah. We've hated the Eagles for quite a long time. I hated the Eagles before the Big Lebowski made it like cool to hate the Eagles. I've hated the Eagles since the Eagles existed and I knew of their existence. <laughs> I was born hating the Eagles. <laughs> That's right. Because Take It Easy was playing in the room oh. when I was delivered and I say, I came out crying not because the doctor <laughs> spanked me but because the Eagles were playing. That's truly one of the worst songs ever. <laughs> of all the songs you could have mentioned about the, from the Eagles, that is probably. I'll give you one piece of trivia about the Eagles. And don't worry, because we're not going to listen to any Eagles music. Yeah. David Geffen's responsible for the band forming in the first place, because he didn't sign the Eagles. He signed Glenn Fry, And he introduced Glenn Fry to the other members oh. and like got them to form a band. Interesting. I did yeah. not know that. Yeah. Oh, so it's his fault. Like, so Asylum is, didn't just sign them, is responsible for them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, so really? Blame him for that. No, I'm totally blaming <laughs> Next time I see him. Yeah. Your fault. So no Eagles tonight, even though they're the main thing of yeah. the Eagles. Another major artist who I don't hate, but we're not going to talk about, who was huge in the 70s and was on Asylum, Linda Ronstadt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's just... Yes, I like Linda Ronstadt. She's fine. Yeah. She's not... I don't know really anything about her. I know the hits yeah. and those yeah. are cool. And yeah. I know a lot of people that are like, she's amazing. I'm like, yeah, she's amazing, but... We're not refusing yeah. to talk about her. It's just neither of us picked any Linda Ronstadt yeah. clips. Just um, think of it. But we're only going to talk about music we like. Yeah. Individually. I'm going to drive you up a wall tonight because you're going to hate the shit that I have. Oh, this will be interesting. <laughs> I'm assuming the stuff I have, you already just know, so... Um, most of it, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, this is a label that's really not designed for either of us. Because this is that very, like, 70s L.A. Yeah. sound. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not designed for us. Although, yeah. I, when we were researching this, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's just because of the Electra angle. Like, artists that are with their now in the last, like, 10 years is like, Cameron and Waka well, Flock of Fa- Flame. And I'm like, what? Yeah, because the label's been relaunched once or twice. It got it relaunched in the eighties as a country music label. Oh wow! Okay. And then it relaunched again in the past fifteen years or so as like uh, as an urban or like a hip hop label. That's interesting. So it it they made an effort to okay. do that on purpose. Okay. But it's it's a different. It's still the name and the and the brand, but it's yeah. a whole different. It really thing. might not as, as yeah. well be called Asylum now, right? It's and and David Geffen obviously doesn't have anything to yeah. do with it because he formed Geffen Records later. And, yeah. Um. So anyway, enough talk. Yes. Let's just get into it with the first artist that David Geffen ever signed to the label, Mm -hmm. whose debut album is the first release on Asylum Records, who I'm guessing you've never heard of, Mm -hmm. who I hadn't heard of until the last year or so, but I've gotten really into her. Mm -hmm. Her name's Judy Sill. Do you know Judy Sill? I don't think you're going to like this. (laughs) But I'll tell you some stuff about her that you might think is cool. Mm -hmm. Before she ever got into music... She got into crime. She was a teenage drug addict, mm-hmm. uh, robber, went to jail for robbing, being a stick-up, wow. robbed liquor stores and, and uh, gas stations with her boyfriend. Wow. He was the real criminal, and she was his his girlfriend yeah. and, like, went along, went to jail, uh, did a lot of drugs, got addicted to junk. 
This is all by the time she's like 20. Oh my God. And then after she got out of jail, she became a musician. Wow. Um, a lot of her music has like a, like a Christian theme to it, but I don't think she was Christian. She just kind of discovered gospel music in jail and oh, was okay. like, I like the I like vibe this of this. Yeah. Right. And then she, she's from LA and she was just playing around here and mm-hmm. David Geffen saw her and, and thought she was really talented, which she is super talented. Mm-hmm. And he signed her and, uh, she put out two albums on Asylum, which were both huge flops. And then she also sort of fell out with David Geffen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so he dropped her. They got into some personal fights and, yeah. uh, any, any, Dropped her, and uh, by the end of the 70s, she was dead. Oh, my God. She, well, she, you know, she sort of disappeared into obscurity before yeah. she died. And she died of a drug overdose when she was, like, 36 or 37. I was going to say, way young, I'm sure. But by that point, she was so off the radar that, like, people who knew her personally didn't know until years after she was dead that she died. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. And, and I mean, she was on Asylum in, like, mm-hmm. 71 or 72, and she died in 1979. So it all, you know. So a lot of living in seven years. Yeah. Excuse my phone. Um, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Now, I think me describing her makes her sound a little like Wendy O. Williams. <laughs> when you see and hear her, I think you will be surprised. You'll be like, what? That I was describing. Oh, and she was also a prostitute for a while in there sometimes, oh too, God. before she became a musician. Holy God. So she was a heroin-addicted prostitute robber. <laughs> and she went to jail, and she got out, wow. and she became the artist that we're going to see. Okay. So this is her doing a song called The Kiss from her second album, Heart food. Heart food? Heart food. And this is 70-something? This is 73. So there's a little intro uh, before the clip. Okay. It's funny, actually, how some performances really stand out in the memory. And uh, one of the people I vividly remember meeting for the first time uh, while I was doing the program was Judy Sill who came in to do a song called Jesus Was a Crossmaker. A lot of people remember this song. It was released on Asylum in 1973. Do you remember that song? It was a jam. And she sang the song. <laughs> I have no idea. When she first came into the studio, she looked every bit the librarian. She had uh, horn-rimmed glasses on and was pretty severe, actually. In fact, uh, she was saying into camera, uh, just as she was performing the songs, please buy my record so that I don't have to open up for these snotty rock stars anymore. <laughs> well, she did come back into the studio again later to perform a couple of the songs from her second release, and this is one of those songs. And this song is about the union of uh, opposites that we all have, and the kiss is a symbol of the union. She looks like a librarian. Yeah, she she actually does. This wow. is on the Old Grey Whistle Test, which is a British show. I mean, I can't even because she, you're like, oh, she did crime. She, yeah, she. This is not what you picture when you picture a junkie whore. No, this not at all. And I'm also like, when did you learn to play piano in prison? I, well, she grew up, I think, playing piano, um, and, and yeah, lost it to do crime. Yeah, and came back around. Just a typical felon with the wrong crowd story. <laughs> yep. 
I mean, then like she died. She's so mousy. Yeah. She she's can... so like wallflower, just kind of. Yeah. But she also has this like sell the house voice. Yeah. She has a beautiful voice. Yeah. I know this is not your. This type is of not music. my type of song, but I like her voice. Yeah. Can't really dance to this. No. The album cut is even more amazing because it has like a bunch of vocal overdubs where she mm-hmm. harmonizes with herself. Oh. It's very layered. And... Mm-hmm. I just, I can, even though I don't really like this, I just have an image of like someone in the 20s putting this on their turntable. Oh yeah, this is like... Smoking a joint. This is college girl music. Yeah. Uh, and also me in college yeah. music because yeah. I love college girl music. Yeah. You know, there's ferns everywhere. Smoking a joint or maybe just a clove cigarette. Yeah, that's fine too. Yeah. You don't want to get high to smoke clove. Ferns everywhere. There's, just like, there's, like, there's like hanging ferns yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Some incense is maybe burning. It doesn't have to. I mean, she's got a wonderful she really does, and it's one of those, like, oh, honey, it's not your fault that you weren't commercial. Like, you're great. Yeah. Uh, you didn't fail commercially because you're not good. It's yeah. because you're too good. Yeah. Like, you're not... <laughs> you're not pop. Yeah, it's, you know, even even with the talent, you're kind of like, what are you going to do with her? Like, you put her on the old gray whistle test, even yeah. this is subdued. Yeah. I mean... But I, I get the impression, and I don't know a lot about her. Like I said... I've only learned about her kind of recently. And Did you just random or? I she I found out about from my Spotify playlist. Oh, okay. They put some of her stuff in yeah. my Spotify playlist, and then I and I really responded to it and then started you know digging for more. But it seems like even the way that the uh, introduction on this video kind of said she was talking shit when she was yeah in, like I think she was probably very difficult okay and difficult to work with yeah I know that she fought with David Geffen because she said some homophobic shit oh wow about him in the press and he wasn't even out yeah because it was like the 70s yeah um and she was gay too so really so she's she was bisexual and yeah wow but, but I think she was I think she was just being shitty to David Geffen because she was angry that she wasn't selling she records. She was mad, yeah. And then he said, okay, fuck you. <laughs> and, and, yeah. yeah. I'm the and, boss. And so up. she lost her record deal and, you know, I think she, so she's super talented but yeah. wasn't very commercial and then I think was maybe not the easiest person in yeah, the world. Yeah, she put those together to the heart out. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe this, it's amazing how this woman lived this life Looking at her playing the piano. Yeah, yeah. But her, her voice is so pretty. Yeah. And this is obviously a real ballad, but she—it's—it's it's all folky stuff. But yeah. there's some more upbeat stuff that's—that's that's really nice too. But there's not a lot of video. Yeah. I mean, this is one of her more well-known songs. It is wow. But um, well, she doesn't really have any yeah, well-known songs. That's true. But uh, it's probably not the one I would have picked if there were more options mm-hmm. on YouTube, you know? Yeah. Oh, my God. And then she just lowers her head and Does not look at, at the, the camera. camera. Yeah. She seems like the shyest person yeah. in the world. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about a dichotomy. Yeah. All right. But that was, let's, let's do something a little bit with a little bit more drive to it. A little pep. I, I, I thought we had to start with Judy Sill because Asylum Records literally starts with Judy Sill. Yeah. 
Uh, but let's talk about someone a little more famous. It's slightly more. With a little more upbeat. And we're talking about uh, Jackson Brown. Who doesn't like Jackson Brown? Even I like Jackson Brown. Jackson Brown's great. Yeah. Jackson yeah. Brown's good. And this is his first song, Doctor My Eyes. His first hit, I guess. Yeah. Great song. What is he like? Yes. 19 when he wrote I this? think so because this was like, well, this live clip is from like 78, but it came out in like 72 or something. That sounds about right, yeah. And I just remember this is, again, this is another... Driving around when I'm real little with yeah. my parents, and this is on the radio. This is your favorite Jackson Brown? Well, no. My favorite is The Fast Times, uh, Somebody's Baby. But I, was, <laughs> I wasn't going to put that that's, on. That's, that's definitely a Kirk choice. Yeah, that's a jam. I'm a, I'm a running on empty fan. I'm like, run, run empty that's, is probably like third yeah. um, out of them. But, you know, Dr. Not, my Eyes is great. Dr. My Eyes is great. I love the piano in it. Mm-hmm. What I read, too, is like uh, from... Doctor Do- My Eyes is his first hit, his first top ten. Yeah, he didn't get another top ten till Somebody's Baby. Huh? Yeah, I guess Running on Empty stalled at like eleven or twelve on the charts. Yeah, it's funny the way, like the way some things that weren't actually hits will become classic rock radio yeah. staples. Like we could probably turn on the radio right now and find a channel that's playing Running on Empty. Oh yeah, or just turn on the TV. Oh, Forrest Gump's on. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and so songs that you think were huge hits actually weren't. Yeah, weren't that yeah. huge. But yeah, yeah so uh, this is uh, Jackson doing Doctor My Eyes yeah. live, which is also you know it's it's one of those it's still another even though it's upbeat's a little melancholy. Yeah, that's that's his vibe. Yeah, it's his yeah. vibe. The piano is just great. I think he was born in 51 or 52, right? Oh my, yeah. This isn't the lyric in Running on Empty in 69, I was 17. Yeah. Which is, is accurately autobiographical. Yeah. You know that Nico song, These Days? <laughs> yes. He wrote that when, oh, he was, when he was 16. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> also, like, this song, so this was 72, you wrote this with any of that, like 21, 22. Yeah. And you're like, where are you getting the maturity and the melancholy? Exactly. Like, These Days is a song about, like, aging. Yeah. He wrote it when he was in high school. Oh, my God. It's so, it's so 70. It's so 70. This is such that asylum vibe. Yeah. That guitar, too, in there. Which is... It's not my favorite, but I'm okay with it. Jackson Brown, to me, kind of sounds like... What would the Eagles sound like if they were good? <laughs> if they didn't suck so bad, <laughs> it might be sound if, like this. if their songs were good and not lame, okay. they'd be very Jackson Brownie. I'm going to tell you right now, the yeah. Eagles could never make somebody's baby. <laughs> no way. They could never make that fucking jam. That's <laughs> a great song. Yeah. yeah, this is just a great song. I didn't know that he could do piano and guitar. I, I love piano rock, man. Oh, I like some piano great. in my rock music. Yeah, I prefer piano rock to guitar rock guitar. I don't know why it's uncool. I acknowledge that it's uncool. I get it. But I... <laughs> I get This is not cool. This I wanted to bring up. What? You'll see. So this is the guitar solo. Yeah. And I hate this. You don't like this guitar solo? You'll see. I'm waiting for the cut to a oh, shot. Okay. This. It's in his, his lap. On his lap. I hate that. I mean, uh, yeah. Um, Unless you're Jeff, Jeff Healy, who does it because he's blind. That's the only excuse. Maybe that guitar guitar, that guitar is blind. blind. He's looking down. Is there. he playing slide? Maybe it's easier to play slide if you hold it on I your own. He should practice more. <laughs> I, I find it pretentious. I find it an affectation. 
Um, well, that's where I'm like giving him the benefit of the doubt. If it's just an affectation, I agree with you. Yeah. If there's some practical reason why, yeah. I mean, some guitar players play left-handed because they're yeah. left-handed. If he got, if he gets up, we will we'll never know. Yeah. But if he got up for the next song, like it's run on an empty, and he slung the guitar on him, fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> For a, sec- for a second, I was like, well, is it Jeff Keighley? But no. No. Because Jeff Keighley was like a teenager in the 80s yeah. when he first popped. Yeah, so. Exactly, yeah. So it can't be Jeff Keighley. We'll just have to, we'll, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Oh, say he'll be nice. Let's say he's blind. I'll just say he's blind. Maybe he's blind. This is the best he could do. Yeah. I also am a fan of the multi uh, The tears, the tears. I find that keyboard. so cool. <laughs> I don't know why you need it. I yeah. don't know how they use it, but it just looks cool. Yeah. And that's another 70s thing. That multi-tiered, gotta have all three. Because it's just everything bigger. More <laughs> and bigger. More sound. Yeah. It's not punk. <laughs> that's right. But I still like it. Yeah, that's right. It's not punk. But yeah, it's just a good song. You know. I mean, it's square. It's like it's white pretty, bread music. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's real just like mom and dad music. Oh, but yeah, that's cool. not a that's not a knock. No, no, it's mom and dad music. Yeah. Like, even when I heard this as a kid, this was like, I was like, this came out when I was two. So yeah. I didn't hear it until I was like eight or nine. Yeah. I was like, this is old music. It's, it's wonderfully uncool. Yeah. But of course, at the time, it must have been. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, again, like, I'm not saying... Not good. I'm just saying un un unhip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's exactly. not hip. There's a difference. But it's good. It's yeah. real good. It's just like just light a big fat joint. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Just and I'm I'm glad you mentioned it too. Piano rock's great. Yeah, piano rock's great. I like it. I even like yeah. Billy Joel. Obviously, yeah. we did our fourth ever episode. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mean, let's talk about another artist you hate. Yes, but I'm this very is, connected to. Yeah, this is Tom Waits. Tom Waits. One of my favorites. One of my wife's favorites. Uh, all of his 70s albums are on Asylum. Oh. It was after Asylum and after the 70s when he sort of reinvented himself as like, I'm a weird junkyard <laughs> theater jug band I guy, like, which I also love. Yeah, you like all incarnations. I love modern Tom Waits. Yeah. But his asylum years are very like, ooh, I'm a young sort of neo beat poet, mm-hmm. folky. When you did the last, I can't remember when you did the. Um, what clip was it? It was a, it was a story one about a hooker. Oh yeah, Christmas card from a hooker. In is that asylum? That's from the asylum years. Okay. That's on Blue Valentine, okay. which is one of my favorite albums. This song is from a live album that he put out in 1975 called Nighthawks at the Diner. This song is called Eggs and Sausage, parentheses, in a Cadillac with Susan Michelson. We love parentheses. Yeah, he does. Titles. Um, But this clip that we're going to watch, I don't know what this is from. I think it's from like a European TV thing. Is him doing it uh, a cappella, almost like a spoken word poem. Like he's doing it like a poem. Mm -hmm. And it's at a completely different tempo than the bluesy sort of recorded version I know from Night. Oh, okay. So this is him. He's just snapping and sort of reciting the lyrics as a poem. And this is totally unique. I've, I'd never seen this before I started looking for clips for this episode. Was it jarring to hear this version since you knew the other one? Yes, but not in a bad way. Okay. Because it just is a new way for me to hear a song that I've known for like 19 years. Mm-hmm. And I figured... 
I don't know, maybe Kirk would find a different way to appreciate this. Maybe. I mean, again, I love Tom Waits. <laughs> I hate all of his music. But Tom Waits, the person, is amazing. Yeah. From Chicago, Soundstage. Or maybe it was local, like local TV. Yeah, wow. Because he's not from Chicago. He's no. A, he's L.A. all the way. This is a fascinating look at the outside of Chicago in yeah. 76, is that right? That's in 1976, wow. yeah. have provided popular music with some of its richest sources of material. From our cities of what are we watching? Talk, talk, jazz, and urban blues. This is a, like a documentary. Tonight on Soundstage, we couple the traditional jazz and blues licks of one of its finest practitioners, Mose Allison, with the gritty sound and late-night imagery of Tom Waits. And they film this at an actual diner, which is cool. I mean, you could only do this in the Yeah. Oh. the midnight cafes. Oh my god, I thought it was on a stage. I don't know, they're in a it's diner. It's in a diner. Oh no, Joy, Carl Emma's 49. What a rendezvous of strangers around the coffee early night. And all the gypsy hacks, and all the insomniacs. And the paper's been red, as the waitress said. Eggs and salad and salad toast. Way cool. Yeah, he's super cool. He's super cool looking in this with a cigarette and a hat. Loose time. That was his look. It's a good look. He's like 24. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like slam poetry. It's like yeah. Oh, my makes me want to smoke. Oh, a hundred percent. Oh, my God. Yeah. He makes it so cool. Yeah. Uh, they say smoking doesn't make you look cool. But like I said, if you're already cool, it enhances yes, exactly. how cool you are. And this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Perfect about. example. So fucking cool. <laughs> I don't smoke and I don't drink coffee and I want to do both. Also, a white guy with a soul patch who I don't want to punch. Yeah. You're like, you're not a douchebag. <laughs> this is, yeah, only Tom Waits. Yeah. Because he's who every hipster, like, thinks they are. But he's do- he's yes. pulling it off. Yes. Yeah. And, I, I, yeah, I'm not a fan of this, but I'm like, oh, you're fucking cool doing this. Yeah. Anyone else doing this would have been like, I'm leaving this fucking diner. <laughs> this guy's ruining my fucking night. I just wanted a fucking patty melt in this hipster's. And he just goes back to smoking. It, yeah. And, and, dr- and drinking coffee. Oh, my God. You know he takes it black. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Tom Waits. I mean, like, just like you're saying, everything about him on paper is like, ooh, I want to punch that guy. Yeah. But somehow he pulls it off. It's a, Yeah. If you and wrote, he's just cool. If you wrote this out, you'd be like, I hate this guy. Yeah. <laughs> everything about him is yeah. so cool. A 24-year-old with a soul patch and one of those, like, <laughs> newsboy hats and he's smoking and snapping and doing a poem that he wrote about going to the diner yeah. and you're like, oh, I'm going to kick that guy's ass. Yeah. But no. He makes it work. He, he makes it work. I don't know how, but he, he's just cool. It's the magic of Tom Waits. I love Tom Waits. Uh, yeah, so that's it for that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk about no, this next one. We're band. going 180 now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I figured you knew Orleans. 
Sure. Yeah. One of the most infamous album covers ever. Yes, that's right. Where they're all shirtless on the cover. And became, real close to each other. Right, which became almost like an internet meme years yeah. ago. And it's, when I was looking for songs, I was like, Orleans was with Asylum? Yes, please. That makes sense to me. It does for that. Late period yeah, Asylum. Late period though. Asylum. Late 70s Asylum. Yeah, so this yeah. is like 78. Right. This is still the one. They had two big hits. Still the one yeah. and another one, which I'm completely forgetting. Um... And one of the guys became like a U.S. senator. Yeah, 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 yeah he did. Um, but this is even better. So Orleans, still the one, I think came out like 78. Mm-hmm. This is not from that time. This is from 1982 from Solid Gold. That's going to hold true for a lot of the clips we watched tonight is they're from like years after they were originally released. Just by coincidence, we both did that with a lot of our Oh, that's picks. interesting. So, yeah. yeah. So you're going to get... Uh, and so are we going to get dancers dancing yes. to Orleans? I love me some Solid Gold. I know how you do, man. I'm going to... I haven't dove deep enough into Solid Gold <laughs> on this podcast, and I will soon. And you picked our Asylum Records yep. episode to talk about Solid <laughs> yep. Gold. I saw Orleans, and I was like, yeah. oh, there's no video for it. And I was like, <laughs> they were on Solid Gold in 1982? Yes, please. <laughs> All right, let me start. This is ridiculous. <laughs> And this, uh, 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 I used to watch this all the time. This is not what David Geffen had in mind. Not at all. <laughs> but Orleans is like, yeah, well, you're going to pay us to play our song? Yeah. Oh, that's why it's Solid Gold Classics. Uh, Here we go. Let's lip sync to Still the One. It's a fun song. It's a good song. It's been used in everything. Like, it's been used... Like rom-coms? It's been used in presidential campaigns. Oh, uh, yeah. oh that's right. It's, Wasn't it Dole or something? I think it was Dole. In 96? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's been, I think it was a part of a Burger King commercial. Mm-hmm. It's been in everything. Because it's... Because it, of that fucking chorus. Yeah. It's catchy as hell. And look at those Saligo dancers work it. I gotta look up that second song. It's killing me. <laughs> this is another example. This is being real young listening to this. Yeah. Dance with me. That oh, that's the, the ballad, right? Yeah, that's Dance not. I don't like that song. Yeah. That one. Yeah. I yeah. want to be your partner. Still, the one is the bop. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's so shallow, but in the perfect way that pop music is, like... Yeah, it's that, it's that... Oh, that's right, not to bring out the hosts. All right. Marilyn, that's Marilyn McCoy on the right. Uh-huh. That's Rex Smith on the left. Oh, Rex Smith, Daredevil, the original Marvel's Daredevil. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. And the and the lead in the Pirates of Penzance. Yeah, yeah. And Marilyn McCoy, the lead singer of the uh, Fifth Dimension. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. And Orleans is like, I don't fucking care. We're bringing my this song's four years old. We're bringing it back. Quick, go introduce the next segment during the middle eight breaks. Yeah, they're like, we don't care. Yeah, we need these hits to be going forever. Yeah, this is like, again, it's another. All these seventy songs are just me in the backseat of a car, backseat of an Oldsmobile. <laughs> was it a station wagon? No, it was an uh, Oldsmobile. Okay. We were an Oldsmobile family. Oldsmobile. Oh, did old, old, Oldsmobile didn't make station wagons? I don't know. That's a good question. But, uh, yeah, that's, this is what it makes me think of. That was my roommate's car 15 years ago. It was Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. Oh! So I spent a lot of time riding around in That's one. a big boat. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. 
But also, I love this is like, I'm not sure how much they might have been recording, but they weren't on the charts in '82. Yeah. So I'm sure they're just like, it doesn't matter. Let's just get ready. Same with like Burger King commercial. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Solid gold dancers. It's fine. That's why I'm like the and it's the t- kind of band like that. Eh, nobody cares if they sell out. It's yes. not like that anyone. It's not gonna yeah. make a big deal. Yeah. It's like what the fuck are they doing? Look. Oh, he's playing a Stingray bass. That's right. It's my job. I always have to point it out. <laughs> See, because like I always say. The funkiest bands always have Stingray bass player. Or no leads could yeah. <laughs> I just they're, they're 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 part of the same label as Tom Waits. Yeah, that's right. Technically, that's true. But uh, even the even on Solid Gold, the dancers just kind of do it like yeah, very basic. Well, they're also it's also one of those. This is really a dance song. They're yeah. like just choreograph something and we'll, yeah. we'll do it. We're just in the background, just yeah. fucking do it. Yeah, that was cute. Yeah. Orleans a lot of fun. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's talk about an artist that you hate. I know you hate him. Uh, this isn't, this isn't <laughs> oh, my yeah. favorite Bob Dylan song, mm-hmm. but Bob Dylan put out an album on Asylum. It was a very big deal. Mm-hmm. He had been on Columbia since his first album. Then he, he fell out with Columbia. He was shopping around for a new label mm-hmm. and David Geffen scored a coup, signed him to Asylum. To a two-album deal, he put out one album, Planet Waves. Then he put out a live album, and then he went back to Columbia. <laughs> He's like, "Fuck this!" Right? Wow. Um, but I chose this clip because uh, there there are better songs on Planet mm-hmm. Waves, but this was the single, and uh, he did it on the last waltz. You know, the oh, last yeah, waltz. No last waltz. Yeah. yeah. So this is a clip from the last waltz. Oh, okay. This song is called "Forever Young." So this is uh, not by Alphaville. No, not that forever. Okay. Yeah. And also not by Rod Stewart. Oh, yeah. And also not like eight other songs called Forever Young. Uh, But this is Bob Dylan doing Forever Young uh, on the last waltz. And since it's a theatrical movie, it's a pretty good good quality clip of of an artist you hate doing a song that I don't even particularly like. (laughs) That's funny. But I've avoided Bob Dylan uh, for 68 episodes. (laughs) That's awesome. So... Uh, Scorsese directed this, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, this, this movie, they well, the, the the concert was on Thanksgiving Day of uh, 1976, and then the movie came out in 78. Okay. But Planet Waves came out in 74. And this is the hit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's, I mean, it wasn't. A, it's not a big hit, but it's the single off okay. of Planet Waves, and it's. Uh, it's a song he wrote to like his children. Okay. Yeah. That's so it's cool. it's full of like dad advice. Oh. Okay. The lyrics, you know. Now, I will say this: I do like some of the band. Sure. I like their, the their songs. Yeah, yeah. Though I really just know the weight. The weight is great. It's an awesome song. Yeah. Well, I don't really know any other song. Either. Up on Cripple Creek. Oh yeah, no, that's not me. Oh, you don't like the Levon stuff? No, two country. Yeah, two country. Yeah, the yeah, weight's yeah. awesome. Yeah, the weight is that's good. That's an amazing song. Oh, and there's Robbie Roberts. Yep. There's Rick Danko on bass. Oh my God, they're so but, young. But Levon Helm, the drummer, is my favorite. He's no longer with us. Neither is Rick Danko. And I think did Garth Hudson die in the past few years? I'm not sure. This would be Robert great. Robertson, I think, might be the only guy left. Wow, really? Left from the band, yeah. Interesting. Wow. 
This would be great without Bob Dylan. <laughs> if it was just the band doing it, I'd be I know you it. think so. I mean, now just bear with me. Uh huh. Compare Bob Dylan to Tom Waits. Uh huh. Tom Waits is way cooler. Cooler? Yes. I will say yes. Okay. Yeah. Although I think this period for Dylan, the sort of this is right around the time of the Rolling Thunder tour. Okay. I've heard um, of I think this is the coolest. Well, no, I mean late '60s Dylan is cool, but I like this '70s Dylan. This okay. Him in his mid thirties, you know. Okay. Probably 35 here, 34, 35. Alright. I mean, had you played Band of the Hand from the mid 80s, I would have enjoyed it. <laughs> by, by, by Bob, Bob Dylan. Dylan. What is that on uh, Empire Burlesque? Was it, was it 85? 85, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the only reason I know that is because there's a movie called Band of the Hand. Oh, okay. Which is basically a Miami Vice ripoff. Oh, okay. And Band of the Hand's on it. Yeah. Was it a big deal that he went to Asylum? Or like people like, oh my god, he's gone to Asylum. I think it was. Yeah. Because it was still a young album. David oh, Geffen yeah, was like a was young a, upstart. So it's a good get. Yeah, it was a huge get. Yeah. It was, I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was Bob Dylan going to a sort of small, small artist focused yeah. label. You know? it, not that it was indie. But for the 70s, it was like as indie as you could get. Yeah, you know? I mean, at that time, that makes yeah. sense. Did there Was there ever an explanation of why he left? Why he left Asylum? Yeah. Probably. I'm sure it was just business. I don't yeah. think he had any issues with Asylum. Like, did my two. He fulfilled his contract, yeah. and then it was like probably Columbia was like, okay, we'll give you a ton of money. He's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Like he basically played hardball uh, and left, right? So, yeah. But I, it's, I don't think he, like, screwed Asylum, and I don't think they pissed him off. I think it was just like, okay, contract over. Thank you. Columbia's going to pay me many millions of dollars now. Thank you. I'll for, be doing yeah, that. Yeah. Thank you for this experience. Is it, did his live album on Asylum do anything? I don't know. Yeah. Planet, Planet Waves, I mean, it's not considered a legendary Dylan album, mm-hmm. but it's, it's considered a good Dylan. Okay. What do you think Dylan is saying to Robbie Robertson right there? Well, I don't have a joke lined up for it. So, in all honesty, <laughs> I swear to God, he went, is it 7.30? It's 7.30? I swear <laughs> to God, that's what I thought he was saying. Like, he couldn't figure out what time it was. Yeah. So, that's, I'm going to stick with that. The funny thing is, the album, the first album he put out on Columbia after Asylum mm-hmm. was Blood on the Tracks. I'm, okay. Which many people consider to be his best album I've heard of like the album. best work he yeah. ever did so uh, yeah it was you know it wasn't like a nadir for him it was just yeah. like oh he just bopped over to Asylum for a, a couple brief albums it yeah. benefited everyone I'm sure right 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 yeah uh, okay so this next song is very interesting yeah let's uh, let's go to something better yeah now this artist took a TV theme song and expanded it. Paul, I'm going to flip this table <laughs> and just drink all of your LaCroix and go home. All right, set up the next Because I've always gotten mad about this. <laughs> this is Andrew Gold, who did yeah. the original Thank You for Being a Friend. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, later got used uh, in The Golden Girls. The theme song to The Golden Girls. I never watched The Golden Girls. I just know that they did the theme song. Right. 
Um, I watched it when my grandma would babysit. <laughs> okay. Yes. There you go. My, my I mean, I know mothers loved it. Not necessarily uh, the Gen X uh, so much, but I know that there were a lot of millennials who grew up on, on Golden Girls. Yeah, it's sort of become a touchstone for a lot of women my age. Yeah. And it's also huge. It's like, um, it's huge in gay culture. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, just... Yeah, and I just I just knew of it, and I knew what I felt. I was like, oh, they stole the Andrew Gold song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you did know it as a single oh, like, yeah. when it came out. I knew yeah. it was it came out as a single. I mean, um, I definitely went through the thing of discovering that it was an actual pop yeah. song that was used as a theme song. During the era when songs had pop songs written for yeah, their, TV shows for did, sitcoms yeah. as theme songs. Yeah, absolutely. So no, I mean I remember hearing this on the radio a lot. Yeah. This is also this was also uh roller skating music. See, even that I didn't realize. I didn't I didn't realize it was a big hit. Yeah, it was a huge hit. Okay. Yeah. So he had two big hits really, which was uh Thank You for Being a Friend and uh-huh. Lonely Boy. Okay. Lonely Boy was another big hit. Lonely Boy was a very serious song and I like Thank You for Being a Friend even, yeah. uh, better. And this has got a real uh, 70s type video of just them playing. Yeah. And he's got a real like 70s Yacht Rocky yes. sort of mane and beard. Yes. This is very Yacht Rocky, which yeah. also makes me go, this was Asylum, but yeah. straight up Asylum. <laughs> Late 70s Late asylum. 70s. Yeah. I like your distinction. This is <laughs> Post David Geffen Asylum. Yes. Again, piano rock. I love the piano. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a nice song. This is a great song. Yeah. And I think why it's so good is it's very easy to follow and listen to and remember. Yeah. You don't have to go, like, what is he saying? It's, yeah. Yeah. It's very simple. Yeah. Go ahead, Andrew. He is no longer with us, right? That's a good question. I think he died within the past few years. That might be right. Yeah. Yeah. But this is, this is, yeah, you'd roll a stick to this. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I, I'd watch B. Arthur <laughs> and Betty White and, and uh, the one really horny grandma. Yeah. <laughs> Rue McClanahan. Okay, yeah. I, I'm thinking of the actress's names, but I don't know the character's yeah. names. But I, I, I love Andrew's band. Got the uh, bass player in the Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. Not funky, though. He's not playing a stingray. He's playing a Fender jazz bass. He's staying right in there. I like that there's a keyboard or stand-up piano player. Oh, I just noticed that the the keyboardist uh, uh, went and grabbed the uh, uh, little shakers. Yeah, the jingle bells. Yeah, the Uh jingle bells while he's doing the synth. Yeah. That damn right. (laughs) <laughs> what is this 3D? Oh, he's doing right the camera. Oh, that's great. Yeah, those 3D jingle bells. Yeah, man. And this is another one of those. There was no such thing as MTV or videos for this. Right. So this is like a this is considered like a promotion. Right. And it's also why all these guys could get away with looking like that. Yeah, just looking kind of like bearded and feathered hair. I gotta say, Andrew Gold has a great beard. Great beard. But it's it's the third best out of three in the band. I think okay, the, I think the drummer's beard is better. Look. And the bass player wins at having a beard. I'm gonna take a look. Yeah. Oh yeah, the bass has got the, some, the, yeah. <laughs> the bass player has a serious beard. Oh yeah. Yeah, drummer yeah. second. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And everyone's just got great hair. Yeah. 
But also for Andrew, I, I appreciate a blonde dude with a beard. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Blondie yeah. beard. It's a rare, rare look. Yeah. But it's uh, this to me was just a big hit as a kid. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Come on. It was Paul. That is seven. that is filmmaking. Filmmaking. Wow, chef's kiss. Yes. <laughs> Wind machine. Is Andrew Gold his real name? Yeah. Because it's so perfect seventies. It is, isn't it? AM music. Yeah. Andrew Gold. You should dig into his second hit, Lonely Boy, which I think came before. Lonely might Lonely Boy might have been before. Thank you for being a friend. Yeah. It's it's a completely different vibe. Yeah. It's up tempo. It's not sweet. It's just kind of sad. Yeah. It's about a lonely boy. But this was always a make, make you feel good song. Yeah. Because I knew that I was going to get 22 minutes of elderly <laughs> hilarity. Before you had to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is such a moment in time of life. Soft rock is a viable way to make it. Yeah. On the pop Cause, charts. Because eighth graders need something to hold hands and skate yeah. to. Exactly. <laughs> And I like the uh, the round they sing it in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's a good song for 13, 12 and 13 year olds yeah. to have if their you, first kiss to. If you are between the ages of 8 and 13, <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. And see, it's interesting too because this version was the version they played on the radio. Oh, this is the single. This and is it was re-recorded for the Golden Girls. Yeah. So, yeah. like, that whole, like, big rigmarole of that interlude of him in the hair, that was on the radio. Yeah, yeah. There, there was no single version, album version. It was just this. Right. <laughs> that was Andrew Gold. Nice, nice song. Great yeah. pop song. From Asylum. Yeah. I would like it even if not for the... It's not like the Golden Girls adds a dimension to yeah. it. It's just how I know it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I hope... I hope that someone listening got to have that moment of discovering that the theme song from the Golden Girls yeah. is actually a whole song. Yeah, they're like, oh my God, really? That's the whole thing? Because that's so fun when you, yeah. when you get that moment. Yeah. Um, okay, my next clip is really out of left field. I had no idea about this until I was doing research. I did not expect uh, to talk about uh, punk music. Yeah, neither did I. Um, but for some reason, the dictators after their first album signed up, uh, with Asylum. So I don't know who the dictators are. The dictators are like the first punk band. Oh, really? Yeah. They're one of the first. They're, okay. I'm going to go back like before Ramones. Yes. I think Go Girl Crazy came out before the Ramones. Did. Okay. But their first album came out in 1976. Okay. And so if it was before the Ramones, it was by a matter of months. And if oh, the Ramones okay. were first, it was by a matter of months. Okay, but so I think, really... Yeah. But I think Go Girl Crazy came out um, just a few months before the Ramones. Are the dictators from New York? Oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck, oh, yeah, they are. Fuck, yeah. Uh, remember when we watched, the, the in the punk episode, when we watched Legs McNeil and the, um, the other guy who founded Punk Magazine? I can't remember him. When he mm. did. The two young kids who started the magazine that okay. like, codified punk. Yes. They were talking about. Like, yes. 
those British punks yes. with their safety pins yes. and their mohawks. It's like whatever, just wearing like dirty t-shirts yeah. and, and eating fast food. And and I'm like, I like this kind of punk. Mm-hmm. They got into punk because they were huge dictators fans. Oh, like, okay. That's how the guys who named the genre punk through their magazine punk got into it through the dictators. Oh, okay, okay. So they were that's like funny. the OGs. All right. I don't know the circumstances of them jumping to Asylum Records on their second album, but they did. So wait, what was their first label? Was it some weird small label? I don't know what label they were okay. on, actually. I did, don't know. Did their sound change? Or like, no, it's still No, not really. Band. They're oh, still okay. a punk band. And I was able to find a cool video clip of them doing a song that's on their second album, which mm-hmm. is called Manifest Destiny from 1977. But this is a cover of a Stooges song. Oh! This is Search and Destroy... By the Stooges. Okay, I know that song. Covered when, live by the Dictators. When was Search and Destroy? 72, Oh, I think. wow, okay. Um, it's on Raw Power. I think okay. Raw Power came out in 72. So this is the Dictators covering the Stooges and somehow making it even like more raw. I've never... This will be a first for me. Oh, it's a CD. Yeah. Of course. Oh, jeez. But they also look like the MC5. Like, Handsome Dick Manitoba has an afro the way that Rob Tyner from the MC5 did. And they're doing a Stooges song, so... This makes the Stooges song seem... Oh, my God, look at that fro. Yeah. Oh, oh, both of them. Oh, wow. Punk hadn't been assigned that British thing yet, and they're yes. just like super New York dudes, yeah, doing really aggressive music. Wow! But like punk culture hadn't become a thing yet, so they're not defined by it. Yeah, they're just them. Yeah, they're just doing stuff like the Stooges and the MP5 were doing about a few years later. Yeah, this is way harder than the Stooges. Yeah, which is weird to say. It's a little less nasty than the Stooges, but it's 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 a little faster yes, and a it's little louder yeah. and faster. I, I get you. It's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's like it's kind of like jocks doing the Stooges. Like it's a I little more it's a little more jockey. It's aggressive. Yeah, yeah. Rather than nasty. rather than like yeah yeah dirty. When you see this, you go, God damn! Why was I never a CBGB in the seventies? Uh, a little I, bit, but I mean, also I know you like, don't like going to concerts. But yeah, I mean, there's a part of me that totally wishes I was there for yeah. that scene, and but there's the other part of me that's just like, oh, it would have been really, really crowded and sweaty. Oh yeah, and uh, smells bad. <laughs> yeah, crappy bathroom. Yeah, I'm too delicate for that. <laughs> We're flowers. <No. laughs> and how long did they last? They're still around. No shit. I think they are still around. But it might just be like Handsome Dick Manitoba and four other guys. Okay. You know, I, I don't know what the lineup looks like these days. Um, but they're great. And, uh, you know, I wish I'd been there, but like when I was 17 or 18. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. You're a little older. You can kind of deal with it better. Yeah. Oh, God, that dude going fast on the bass. That's all that matters is that it's fast. Yeah. As long as it's and loud. Yeah. Good afro. I mean, those <laughs> afros are insane. 
really just, I mean, like, really well done. They're not bullshit. Yeah, bro. But it's it's not a punk look. That The bass player looks punk. Yes. That he, kid looks that punk. That kid looks punk as yes. fuck. He looks like he could have been one of the Stooges. Yeah, he looks way punk. Handsome Dick looks like he should have been in the MC5. Yeah. Did not expect this from Asylum Records. No, I mean, remember earlier when we played Doctor My Eyes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Boom! I got punk into the Asylum That's episode. Way aggressive. Yeah. Way aggressive for Asylum. Yeah. <laughs> Balls on <the> jack. <laughs> okay, we said we weren't going to listen to any Eagles music. Yeah. But we're going to come close because there's one guy in the Eagles who everybody likes, yep. including me and you. Yep. Goddamn right. Yeah. Mr. Joe Walsh. Yes, not an original member. No. But the only, the, you know, the only ego. Yes. Who, yeah. And uh, this is uh, Joe Walsh's uh, Life's Been Good. Great song. I love the song. Yeah. I love this. I love the song so much. I put a quote of it on my senior page in high school. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. Well, what? Uh, I can't complain, but sometimes I still do. Life's been good to me so far. That's very Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, that's very me. Now that I think yeah, yeah. 18-year-old Kirk put that in there. Yeah. But uh, I'll talk about it more as we play this. Okay. This is Life's Been Good. This is not a good version. Oh, is it live? This is horrible, actually. <laughs> this is on... Um, you'll love this, though. This is from the Sunday show, David Sanborn show. Ooh. Uh, in the 80s. And they're doing Life's Been Good, and Joe is obviously on something. Well, he was. I I don't know what his drug addictions were, but he was deeply alcoholic. Yeah. So I don't know what. Yeah. But you look at him; he's barely, barely there. I yeah. mean, he's way off. The I think he's clean ten, now, right? Yeah, he's been but, clean for a long he's still time. With us, but but this yeah. was like you're Late looking 80s. at going. Yeah, he's way off. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I love this song. Does sort of Sanborn play? No, Sanborn just like introduces it, just hosts it. But you can see the band, the band that's with Joe, just kind of like oh fucking jazz. Life's been good. Then I guess it has. So far. Thank you. So far. And Dave's like, do you need me to stay here and hold you up? Are you okay? So yeah, Joe's a little off on this. Yeah. And this this record's from the late 70s or early 80s? It's the late 70s. Um, And I think the Eagles played it too. Yeah. So Joe watched songs first and then I think like when Joe and the Eagles he brought it with him. But the thing about uh, Joe Walsh, this song was played ad nauseum in sleep. Oh, I, it was on classic rock radio yes. all the time, even where I grew All up. the time. Yeah. But uh, Cleveland has adopted Joe Walsh as their own. Why? Because he went to Kent State. Oh. And then after Kent State, he moved to Cleveland and was with the James Gang, which is a Cleveland band. Oh, okay. And he always kind of stayed and hung around Cleveland. Yeah. And then he was also uh, in the Drew Carey show. For a while. Oh. So, like, he's kind of a, a, a native son, even though he's from Detroit. He's adopted. Yeah, yeah. adopted. Yeah, he's way. <laughs> oh, God. But even also, like, even when he's stone cold sober and healthy, Joe Walsh's singing voice is not, like... No. No, it's just that he's a little off. He's always a little marble mouth yeah. anyway. Yeah. He's a little but just his, like, the rhythm of this is a little off. Yeah. 
And it's it's like Dave Sanborn's band, so these are consummate uh, yeah. jazz jazz musicians. Right? They're just totally fine with this. <laughs> He's where he gets a little off too. He's just like holding his guitar. Yeah. <laughs> oh Joe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just stops. Yeah. Is he just like he's, not even yeah. singing? Him? He's literally shrugging through it. <laughs> yeah. No care. Yeah. No care. <laughs> he's just trying to get through it. He's like, it's fine. Yeah. But this song just makes me think of Cleveland. Yeah. It's such a Cleveland. It has song. that vibe. Like yeah. It's, yeah. Working class. It's a, yeah. It's yeah. so big. My senior quote. <laughs> uh, just play, yeah, and I like a lot of Joe Walsh. So shockingly, hey, uh, I almost put in the city, uh, which is uh, a great song from the Warriors a movie. Oh. Uh, and then what? Rocky Mountain Way. Is that the song that what are the pants that he's wearing? I don't know, <laughs> and it's bizarre. There's is that no, Marcus Miller on bass? No, no, oh, okay, but it's. No, it's not. Okay. Um, like there are better performances of this song live. Yeah. But I was like, this is so weird <laughs> and just so like, what are you doing? Wait a minute. That might be Marcus Miller. Cause I don't recognize him so much as I recognize his bass. Yeah. Which is like a custom Fender. It's hard because Marcus Miller's bald now, so I can't tell. Yeah. But I think that's Marcus Miller. Yeah. So that pick guard yeah. is not a typical Fender pick guard. Okay. I think that's a Marcus Miller's bass. I would bet that with Marcus Miller. Yeah. He's got a Marcus Miller vibe. Right. And it's also like Marcus Miller's like, yeah, I can play this. <laughs> just, just whatever you want to do, Joe, yeah. it'll be fine. It's good watching this now and knowing that Joe Walsh, like, Got okay. Yes. Like, he's okay now. He's fine now. This wasn't, like, the sad tale end yes. of, his, of his story. This wasn't or the life. decline of Joe Right, Walsh. right, right. Yeah. He, he rallied back from <laughs> That's right. Still a fun, still yes. a fun song. I mean, honestly, I, as a kid, I thought he was from Cleveland. Yeah. Where is he from? Detroit. Oh, did you say that? Yeah. Oh, I missed Wade. Yeah, he Detroit and then went to Kent Detroit. State. Oh. was there for the Kent State killing, uh, shooting. Oh, he was uh, he on campus. He was on campus. campus. Yeah. And then after college, went to Cleveland and started doing a band in Cleveland. You know who I think, all, I, who I know went to Kent State and I think were there when that happened. And if, if I'm right about that, it's wild that they were there at the same time as Joe Walsh, a student's Devo. You might be right. Yeah. I know that they, yeah. were, they were a Kent State yeah. band. I'm not sure if they were there. I think they were. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Crazy. Good, varied music scene coming out of Kent State. Really? Walsh and Diva. Very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Let's talk about uh, Lindsey Buckingham. Let's talk about Lindsey Buckingham. Because Fleetwood Mac seems like the kind of band who would have fit on Asylum. I thought they were, to be honest with you. Yeah. But they weren't. They weren't. Which is weird. Oh. Because it sounds like were they not? I maybe they were. I think Rumors is an Asylum release. Were all, but not all their albums were on it. 
Well, I mean, early Fleetwood Mac is basically a different band where it's like yeah, a blues band and that's stuff. That's true. Yeah, that's I think true. rumors might be. Okay. I'm not sure. But anyway, let's talk about Lindsay um, Solo. We're going solo, yeah. Lindsay. Yeah. This is how, uh, I mean, I knew of Fleetwood Mac as a kid, mm-hmm. um, but I only knew them as a whole. I didn't know the members. So to me, Lindsay Buckingham was a solo artist. And then I learned, oh, wait, shit, he was in Fleetwood Mac? This is, the guy who did the theme to National Lampoon's Vacation? Which is a jam. Yeah, hell yeah, it is. Holiday Road is yep. a great song. This is uh, Lindsay Buckingham's Trouble, which is one of his earlier hits. I think this is like 81. Yeah, it might be 1981. I watched this clip when you sent it to me because I didn't think I recognized it. I was like, let me see what this is. And I don't, I'm not familiar with it. And it's weird. Oh, you don't know this song? No. Because this was a hit. Was it? This is was this was this this was a solid hit for Lindsey Buckingham. Okay. So this is before Hollywood Road. Uh, this is before was it Go Insane. Uh, this is Trouble, and you'll see a little surprise guest in the video. All right. In case you missed him. I didn't watch the whole thing. Okay. I just wanted to see if I knew the song. This is a weird song. It's a weird video. Oh, Mick. Mick. Oh yeah, I did. I did notice yeah. him. Yeah. This is a way weird video, and it's like that. Videos were about to be a thing. Yeah. And I'm like, this is... If you first asked me, I was like, this sounds nothing like Fleetwood Mac. And I'm like, maybe it does sound like Fleetwood Mac a little bit. Is this early 80s? This is like 81. Is this after Tusk then? Yes. Okay, because Tusk started to get kind of weird. Yes. And it was all Lindsay being weird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here's here's a great story about this uh, video. Or not the uh, video, the song, which is Vintage Lindsay Weird. I guess when he first did this song, he's like, I fucking need a real drummer to do this fucking song. <laughs> I'm going to get Mick Fleetwood on. Yeah. Mick, so Mick Fleetwood did the original drumming. Yeah. And then apparently Lindsay's like, I'm just going to keep adding more drum machine, drum machine, to the point where there's no Mick anymore on the song. <laughs> and it's all just drum programming, basically. But you still put Mick in the video. You still put Mick in the right. video. But I just love that he's like, I need a real rock drummer sound for this uh, song. Yeah. And then she kept fucking with it. And then she became a drum program. But I remember Lindsay looks gone. Gone? I, yeah. He, he's... The way he's looking at the camera, I can't tell if he's like trying to look seductive and not pulling it off or if he's just on if he's just coked as a gill I mean he's gotta be coked probably both I mean early 80s yeah got just money to burn but the look in his eyes is discomforting yes I mean also this being the early video days I'm sure they're like okay to get through this I'm gonna need a couple bumps just to make sure I can get through this what's this called a video okay yeah I mean it's Everyone here is just kind of like laughing and looking weird. Yeah, he's got all these drummers lined up wearing black t-shirts and each playing a different drum. Yes, and then all and the then guitarists. And then he's got guitar players all wearing white t-shirts. And they're in the shape of a V. Yeah, and they're all sort of, I don't know, they're facing each other. And it's an early 80s video. Why in so many early videos were people just in und- like white rooms? I think my guess is because they A, they thought it looked cool and yeah. it was just the cheapest thing. Just cheap? Just fucking cheap. Because <laughs> it, it didn't matter. Yeah. And none of it matters. Here's my question to you. Yeah. Is Lindsey Buckingham a good guitarist? Oh, he's one of the best guitarists of all okay. time. I don't really know. It's not like I think he's shitty or anything. I just don't know. Lindsey Buckingham is one of the best guitar players of all time. Interesting. Okay. He's like, yes, he's a guitar player's guitar player. Which is weird for me because I'm like... His solo stuff like this, 
yeah. go insane holiday road there's not a lot of guitar in it yeah he's really good look at all the all the guitar players have the same like buttercream with the <laughs> red tortoise shell pick guard fender yeah they do the guy in the back's got a bass but it still has it still has the same color match I feel that this uh, video was definitely Lindsay's idea this was his concept. I don't know if this video counts as an idea. It's a concept. His concept was... <laughs> what is the concept? The concept is drummers on the left, black. Right. Guitarists on the right, white. We're going to make a B. I'm going to be in the middle. That much I get, yeah. but... Okay, and... That's the only concept you need in the 80s when you have a mound of cocaine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need anything else. Um, it is weird to see that because I like... Uh, I like Fleetwood Mac... Meaning, I'll, any hit by Fleetwood Mac is great. Yeah. I, I won't really dive deep in them, but if there's a Fleetwood Mac hit, I'm like, this is a great song. Yeah. I feel the same way with Lindsey Buckingham. I don't dive deep into any of his deep cuts, but, but any, you like the what you any know. hit, yeah, any hit that he did, I was like, this is great. That wasn't bad, but it's weird that that was a single. Yeah, because it doesn't sound like a hit. That whole song, you know, when a song is too long, <laughs> when there's like a six minute long song, yeah. And three and a half minutes of it is a pop, like a hooky pop song. Yeah. And then there's a weird two and a half minute long outro that's just kind of like, just really extends oh, yeah. it, but is almost a second song. Mm-hmm. This whole song is that second part yeah. of the song that's too long. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> it's a weird song. And it was, it was a hit. It played yeah. on the radio. I heard it all the time. I didn't have MTV, so I didn't see this video. But that song was always on. I think it's in a movie, too. Yeah. I like it, but it's weird. Yeah. And it's weird that it's a hit because it just seems like a real deep cut. Yeah. 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 It seems like an experimental track for right. Lindsey Buckingham. Right. Yeah. But it was it. It was a different time. Yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, the 80s. They would, when the artist would say, like, no, the experimental thing <laughs> is the single. Put, make it the single. Make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. One more artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a linchpin in the Asylum roster. An artist who everyone loves and I didn't get for a long time. And maybe it's because now I'm well into my 30s that something in my brain chemistry has changed. And now I like Joni Mitchell. Full disclosure, I just know the one song. Which one? Got Till It's Gone. Oh, okay. You don't know like California? I don't think so. Okay, well this next one... Got Till It's Gone is great. Sure. Um, um, uh, Big Yellow Taxi you're talking about. Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Janet did it better, so. <laughs> I like the Amy Grant version from Heart in Motion. That's another episode. <laughs> we'll That's talk about that episode. later. Uh, this has become my favorite Joni Mitchell song. This is from uh, her 1976 album, Hajira. But... This performance is from a concert um, that became a live album. Mm -hmm. And then they also filmed the concert so you can get like the DVD of it. Okay. They, this concert uh, happened September 9th, 1979. So 40 years ago this week. Wow. Because today as we record this is September 11th, 2019. Yeah. So two days ago was the 40th anniversary of this concert. It was in Santa Barbara. And she, Santa Barbara, uh, in the seventies especially, played with a really great band mm. and a really g- great bass player. Who you're going to see? Okay. 
And I think even before you see him, you'll be able to tell who it is. Okay. Because nobody else sounds like this bass player. I'm very excited. And the thing about this song is, I've, I've seen other live performances of it and heard other versions. And it's always great and mm-hmm. I always love it. But the bass really sends it into orbit. Mm-hmm. And he plays bass on the album cut. And then he also played in this concert, oh, so wow. it sounds like it has oh, it that like it, it the... has that texture that the that the studio version has. Mm-hmm. And I might even like this this live version better. Oh, um, but listen for the bass, and I want to see okay. how quickly you listen can first. Yeah, this song is called Coyote. No, now we have to look. Oh, wait. They're showing... There's some footage of... Yeah, yeah. of coyotes. I hear the bass. (laughs) Do you hear those harmonics? Does that not... No. who it is? Okay. Let me see. see. I like that there's a coyote chasing a rat. Yeah, or a field mouse. field mouse, yeah. Intercut with the band. That's very funny. I don't know why that makes me laugh. Pat Metheny on guitar. Oh, fucking Pat Metheny! Yeah. Legend. What guitar is he playing? That's cool. He and Joni are both playing big uh, hollow bodies. I think I like a hollow body. Yeah, with those F holes. Uh... Show the bases. You can't tell who it is? No, I'm ashamed. I can't. This is a pretty good song. Oh, it's great. It's got a little bossa nova to it. Yeah. This is a good song. Alright, here he comes. Here he comes. It's Jaco Pistorius. Oh, no shit! Yeah. How old is he? 23, 22, Oh, my God. With that hair? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's crazy. That's like a super group she's got and, there. It's Don Elias on Congress. Oh That's my the whole... I don't know who that is. Who's that? He was a percussionist. jazz oh, okay. Yeah. She she played with like a lot of jazz musicians in the 70s. This is like a super group. Yeah. No, I like Pat this Matheny's one. also like 24 here. Yeah, he's looked way young. Yeah. What's her other song? Help me, I think I'm falling in. Love. I mean, she's got a lot of That's songs. That's another good song. Yeah. So there's two songs I know. I also like that she was a big influence on Prince. Yeah. And he name checks her in a song. This is crazy. This is almost like a real video. Well, I mean, they they filmed the concert knowing yeah. that they were going to, like, release it as a, you know. So they put some cool little clips in. Yeah, I mean, they could have just released it as a concert. I love that this is in Santa Barbara. Yeah. It's very yeah. fitting. I also love, like, Joni Mitchell, I think of... 60s hippie Joni Mitchell with her long straight blonde hair and this is like right before the 80s and she's starting to have like yeah. big hair and she's wearing almost like a pants like suit. a business suit yeah yeah I love Jocko's playing on this song yeah man. it's really good yeah. I love that pet of things uh huh 
They both played with like on her albums way early in their careers. Wow. I mean, Jocko was playing with her before Weather Report. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Him on the bass is just a thing. Oh my god. Look at that. That fretless bass with him. Fretless bass. Yeah. Press me out. He ripped the frets out of his bass. He oh, had really? a regular bass. He took the frets out and filled it in with like spackle or whatever. Wow, yeah. like fuck this. Yeah. Was this a hit or like a recognizable? Or I don't. A deep I think it was a single, okay. but I don't know if it was a hit. Yeah. Or as you say, this was a single, not a deep cut. Right. It's the. Uh, I believe it's the album opener. Like this feels like an asylum. Song. Yeah. Yeah. I can see why you would like this live version so much. I mean, I don't know the original yeah. version. I mean, it's pretty cool. much the version on the album. Yeah. But, you know, you'll, you'll find other clips of her doing it, and it's just a little bit more like her in a, an acoustic guitar. Oh, okay. And Jocko's, Jocko's playing adds so much yeah. unique texture to it. Yeah. And even if you've got another bass player, no one can. No one sounds like Jocko yeah. Stewart. Yeah, it's very unique. Yeah, I. Uh, they must have been like, yeah, we'll go, we'll go live with you. Yeah, Ms. and Mito. this was a few years after the album was out, and they weren't necessarily like playing with her all those yeah. years. So she's just like, you want to do this tour? Yeah, sure, we'll do this tour. You're fucking Joni Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to end it. Yeah, that was the last clip. Um, yeah, we, so just a we, little tour through some some of Asylum's classics and then some surprises. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did it. Eagles and uh, uh, Waka Flockalus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look, I would rather talk about Waka Flockalus <laughs> than the Eagles. Yeah. And we got Joe Walsh in there. We got Joe Walsh stand in, so in we made the it, Eagles. We made it work. But I mean, uh, so we acknowledge the Eagles. You have to have Joni in there. But yeah. Who knew? Cool. Andrew Gold. And Andrew Gold. And Orleans. Dictators. <laughs> dictators. Yeah, the Orleans. Very diverse. Yeah. For a record label that started out basically just kind of yeah, no, I don't want to say they were the Laurel Canyon vibe, but it's definitely it's 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 adjacent. It's definitely that. I mean, it's it's an L.A. label. It had L.A. artists. Uh, Judy Sill was very L.A. Tom Waits super L.A. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, Joni's Canadian, but she's she might as well be. She's got a vibe. She's got a L.A. Yeah, so it's an L.A. label. The story's very interesting. I really recommend. To anybody to watch Inventing David Geffen. To me, the documentary becomes less interesting after it's the asylum story and it mm-hmm. becomes more about him as like a mogul and yeah. like he's best friends with the Clintons and he's one of the richest people. I'm yeah. like, nah, but I like the part where he's a, just a, a kid in the 70s who started his own label, yeah. but is a, a shark. <laughs> um, it's great. So check that out. Um, but that's it for our asylum episode. We did it. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for listening to Music Raygun uh, Music Raygun is hosted by me Paul Champanelli and me Kirk Pinchon our theme music is by Bagweed our credits music is Raygun by Bad Bad Not Good and Ghostface Killer if you like Music Raygun and you know someone else who might like it please tell them about us because word of mouth is the best way to share what you love until next time see ya, see ya.